Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Amen, amen. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Good day to choose to be in the house today, amen? It's always good to gather together. Um, My name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. It is an honor, privilege, a pleasure to have y'all with us this morning. It's It's good to be here. It's good to be back in John. Four of you are excited about being back in John. Um, I'm excited to get back into John, uh, and, and, and not just because, you know, according to my son, it's the only book I know how to preach. Um, he did tell me the other day, he, I asked him how chapel, he goes to Northwest Christian, I asked him how chapel was going. He said, oh, good. He said, yeah, what, what do you mean? He goes, That's a little, I'm a little confused, because they've been, they've been reading some stuff that I don't know if it's in the Bible or not. I said, what do you mean? He goes, they're preaching from books other than John, and I'm not sure that there's any other book in the Bible than John. Successful parenting, everybody. Um, For those of you who are guests with us, we've been in John for a few weeks, and so, um, weeks of years, Um, and and we're just, we're just making our way through. We're, we're doing this. We're taking our, our time because we believe, come on, I need an amen from somebody. We, we believe that, 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 come on, in the kingdom, we've been delivered from clocks and calendars. Amen? So uh, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not worried about those types of things around here. We just want to go after Jesus. Amen? Want to hear what he would have to say to us. And, and, and this, this book of, of John is what we call in the church a gospel, which is the account of the life of Jesus. And it's Written, it's compiled, it's put together for us by, by Jesus' earth, closest earthly friend, a, a guy named John. And John said he wrote this. The reason why he decided to, to write this down, and, and there's a lot of history we can get into here, and it's, it's, it's awesome, but just for the sake of time, the, the reason John decided to write this down is because he said that, that he, he wrote the things that he wrote. He chose the moments in the life of Jesus to communicate to us so that we might come to believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Now that word believe does not mean what maybe we have come to think it means inside the church. If you're like me, you kind of think that, that when, when, when the Bible says we should believe something, it means we should acknowledge its truthfulness. Right? We should agree that it's true. Like, I believe that Jesus existed. I believe, I, I agree with the historical reality of the, of the existence of Jesus. Or maybe we go further than that, say, no, I believe, I, I agree with the historical reality of his birth, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I, I agree with that. And I would go, that's a good thing to believe, to agree with. Maybe even you would go further and say, I believe, I agree with the fact that that, 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 that that life, that death, that burial, that resurrection is not just of a man, it's of Jesus as God. I agree, I acknowledge, I, I come in alignment with the truth that he's God. That's a good thing to believe. But here's what I need you to understand. Biblical belief is not acknowledging the reality of the truthfulness of something. But rather, it is to embrace it, yes, to agree with it, but then it is to entrust ourselves to it. If, 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 if I can use an analogy here, it's, it's as if you're sitting at the poker table, your cards have been dealt, and you are dealt the Jesus hand. It's a hand. And you would... <laughs> and you take all of your chips, to believe in that hand is not just to say, oh, I have it. It's to take all of your chips and push them into the middle of the table. I'm all in. This, this, this is it. This, all of my trust and all of my help. It's not holding back a little bit in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out. I got a backup plan. No, it's everything. It's, it's all in. And John said, I, he, he put this account together for us because somehow, supernaturally, this would enable us to put all of our hope and all of our trust and all of our faith and all of our assurance in the singular supply 
of Jesus our Savior. Amen? So we think it's worth taking some time. Come on. Dive into this. And by we, I mostly mean me, and you're just along for the ride. Because let's face it, we're not a democracy. Um, all the guests are like, this sounds really cultish. It's okay, we're a dictatorship, our dictator's Jesus, so we're all good with it, amen? Um, I say dictatorship instead of king because we get to vote for him, but he's king whether we like it or not. The election's rigged. Um, let's, let's, let's get to the Bible. Um, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, we're reading out of the ESV. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word, because all the best preachers make you stand when they, when they read the Bible. Jeremy's in the room, I can say it. I love Jeremy. After Frodo and Bilbo, he's my favorite hobbit. Um, I love Jeremy, it's fine, come on. It's like a fun size Snickers. Um, I don't think, it, they just come to me, I'm sorry. It's just, he's there, he's so cute. Um, John chapter 15, verse 1. We're going to read through, through verse 11. Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do? Come on, you can do? Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9 is, is shockingly scandalous, and I think we read it too fast and too shallow. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Come on. We thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word. This, we believe, is the word of the Lord. It's not the opinions of man. It's not the uh, collection of nice sayings. It's not just one more philosophical approach to life, the universe, and everything. No, God, we believe that this is the, the, very, the very word of God to us as your people, to all people. And so we come to your word expecting to hear your voice. Let us hear the whisper in the midst of the word. Breathe life upon your word. Let it come alive today, God. Whether we're hearing it for the first time or the 500th time, let it come alive to us afresh and anew today, Holy Spirit. We make ourselves ready. We make ourselves available. Here we are, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. And as you speak, God, we ask boldly for the ears to hear, the supernatural capacity to hear what it is that you would say to us as your people. Come and speak. Come and have your way. Let us not only hear, let us not only receive, but God, let us respond. Let us be doers of your word, not just hearers. 
God, we come against the, the cultural lie that says that if we just walk through the doors and we just kind of make our way through the singing and we sit through the message that we've somehow checked off a box that makes us more righteous, that makes us better, that makes us, it, it fulfills our religious obligation for the week. No, God, we've come here to encounter you, to exalt you, and to be transformed by you. Let us know the reality of all that you have done in and through us today. That we might live the truth of who you have made us to be. The sons of God in the earth. That the earth might finally hear the answer to its groaning, the revealing of the sons of God in the earth today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Greet somebody around you real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Good to be in the house. Good to be together. Good to have everybody tuning in from the interwebs as well. Real fast to let everybody tuning in from the internet know, we know that this, the stream is a little different. We are working on making it better, and we are currently in a construction phase. We're working on it. We promise. We know you're there. Uh, I do want to just mention that. I did get a couple questions about this. We've been calling everybody home for quite a while. Amen. Uh, you know, we started off just kind of, well, the truth is we started off with y'all just showing up to service when we told you you weren't supposed to. Um, and then we, we started, well, we might as well welcome everybody back. Um, but, but now we've kind of moved into a time where as elders, we're, we're, we're calling people back. We're saying it's, it's time to be, it's time to be together. Amen. Now, again, just making sure we understand that we get that there might be people, maybe people with health issues, their sicknesses, and we get that. We're not talking to those people. We're talking about the, the people that I lovingly refer to as our pajama congregation, people that would rather sit in their pajamas at home than come and be together. And we're saying it is good for your soul to be in the, in the gathering of the saints. Amen? Um, so, so we, we want to welcome people. But the thing that we wanted to make sure that we were communicating is that the, the live stream is going to continue. Uh, for the sake of, of outreach, for the sake of those that serve on Sundays that still want to be able to, to, to be a part and, and to watch it later, uh, for, for all of that, uh, it's going to continue. So don't worry about that. We're, we're actually trying to make it better. Amen? Uh, so so if, you're, if you're tuning in and it's a little different right now, um, give, us some, give us some time. Hooray. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, and I, I hope you are, I, I want to I title today's message, Leaning back into liberty. Um, I want to I wanna try, if I can, to just sort of pick up where we left off and, and keep moving. I don't want to have to do too much review uh, because that's why Jesus invented the internet. So you can, uh, you can go and check, check out stuff. If you've been tracking with us for a while, um, just jump right in. You'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be with us. If, if not, uh, some of this may be a little bit new for you, but that's okay. Uh, I think there's something in here for everybody. Um, We've been looking at John chapter 15. I say we've been in John for a while. We've been in John 15 for a while. Um, and, and I don't, people ask, I don't know how long we'll be in John 15, but probably for a while. Um, and so uh, I, wanna, I wanna jump back into here. And I wanna start off by saying this. Um, you know, I mentioned last week, you know, we, my wife and I took a, a kind of a three-week break, uh, forced exile from the, from the elders, and uh, took some time, and, and specifically... Uh, we were instructed to to not uh, work, to not to not spend the time trying to pray for vision or pray for direction or or do any of those things. We still prayed for y'all, but but like we we really tried to as much as is possible to take that weight off. And 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 I discovered something. Man, I don't know how tr how honest preachers are supposed to be. Um, I'm I'm preaching what I'm learning. Y'all y'all track with that. Um, like I never want to, I never want to preach something I don't believe. That's that's good, right? Like, that should be like encouraging. Um, I, I don't want to preach anything I don't believe, and yet at the same time, sometimes the Lord puts you kind of on the very edge of what He's teaching you. 
Um, and that's not to say that any of my core theology is shifting or changing in any significant way. No, but, but yet we are always, come on, growing and expanding and learning. So, so I, I, I've, been, I've been calling us to this place of rest. I've been calling us to this place of abiding. Um, and, and in the midst of all of that, there's coming out, as we're kind of looking at this, there's coming out this call to a liberty, a call to a freedom, a call to, to a life free from the mocking voice of Ishmael birthed out of our obsession with Hagar, which is the metaphor in, in the, the Old Testament of, of our works and the law. And, 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 and so kind of coming out of this religious system that only produces things that mock us. Can I get an amen from anybody who's ever tried to carry the religious burden around for a while? kind of coming out from under that. And, and what we're discovering as we do that is the way out of that is not just not liking it. The way out of it is recognizing God not only as, as sovereign, not only as ruler, not only as, as, as creator, not only as, as author and finisher, but, but recognizing God, come on, as what the scripture says, Abba, as father, as my, and not just not just in a general, he is the you know father of all people, but no, it, recognizing him in a direct sense of saying no, he is my father. And and again, I always want to say this when, when we start touching on this, regardless of whether or not you had the world's best dad, or whether you had the world's worst dad, your dad failed to show you just what an amazing dad he is. So I'm not diminishing anybody's horrible dad, okay? Please understand, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the scars, the wounds, the difficulties that some of us may carry in our life because of our, because of our dads. But what I'm trying to say is all of us get to stand on equal footing of having a dad that wasn't good enough. We have a perfect father in our heavenly father, amen? And so when we begin to recognize that, what the next thing that shifts is that not only is he father, but I am his beloved son. I am beloved. This beloved revelation that came to us several years ago continues to just churn in me because for years I heard, I heard that we need to be lovely. But God doesn't call us lovely. He calls us beloved. Because how many of you want to admit there are times and seasons, married people, married people, how many of us want to admit that there are times and seasons where our spouse is not lovely? But they ought to always be our beloved. Parents, how many of y'all want to admit that your kids are not always lovely? People are way faster to agree to that. <laughs> Maybe we need some parenting classes. Um, parents are like, no, we need some children classes. Um, my parenting is fine. It's their childrening that's the problem. Um, our, it's not about loveliness. Loveliness is about a condition. Beloved is a, is, is a state of being. And so when I begin to understand this, right, that he's Abba and I am beloved, then all of a sudden I'm free from the mocking voice of my own labors and my own efforts and my own striving and trying. And I sort of came out of this, uh, this, this little three-week break more convinced of the necessity for the people of God to hear the gospel presented in such a way that it transforms the way we see God. It's, it's, it's good that we, we, listen, it's good that we hear the gospel in such a way that it transforms the way we see ourselves. But if that transformation in the way I see myself is not tied to the way I see him, let me say it a different way. If it's not birthed out of a different way that I see him, then it's short-lived and really ultimately it's self-centered still, which doesn't help me at all. But when the gospel is presented in such a way that it transforms the way that I see God, and by transform, what I mean is corrects. He, listen, in case I'm not being clear, he doesn't change, we change. There isn't, even, there isn't even evidence of him ever having the capacity to change. That's what the scriptures say. There's not even a shadow of turning in him. There's nothing in him that would ever shift or change because there's nothing that needs to shift or change. Okay, let's talk to parents and, and spouses again. There are things in us that need to change, amen? Right? But there's nothing in him that needs to change. And so when I say we need a, a transformation the way we see God, I'm saying our perspective is the one that needs to change. Either by position or by perception, the way we perceive God needs to change because we pick up all of this worthless baggage along the way 
about who God is. Am I the only one that did that? Like we've got all kinds of stuff that we picked up along the way. How many of you ever ever read in the Bible? You've ever read in the Bible, maybe you heard a message, you've had a conversation with a believer and they, they show you something of the truth of who God is that contradicts what you believed before and you realize that you don't even know where you picked up the bad thought about God. Like in what universe did we think that the God of the scriptures, Yahweh, is Zeus, and yet how many of us go, well, God will just get so angry at me, he'll just strike me with lightning. That was a false God of the Greeks. God, the, Yahweh uses fire. <laughs> so you're even, even, even that's messed up. He's like, no, I tend to burn people. Um, we get all these weird, jacked up th thoughts about it. And so I'm convinced coming back into this of the importance of remaining here because in this text, Jesus corrects all of that. So we, we, we've seen it this way. Here's the way I've tried to summarize John chapter 15, verses one through 11. You are a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit. This, is, this has been the statement I've been making week after week after week. We've been kind of walking through the text, seeing how these things said. You are a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser. So then the call to the branch in the text is not, is not clean yourself and be fruitful. But for so long, I feel like all I heard from pulpits was clean yourself and be fruitful. Shape up, fly straight. I mean, if y'all think you have it bad, imagine, imagine going to distilled church, which is pastor's conferences. You just take all the, all the, just like distill it down to like the really meaty parts. And I, most of the message, I, I'm, okay, total transparency, not supposed to do this. I can be corrected later. I don't like going to pastor's conferences. Um, and part of the reason why is because usually I come away from them more depressed about pastoring than I came into them. I feel comfortable right now sharing this because Doug's laughing in the front row and he pastored longer than I did. Because sometimes, sometimes all we do is all we hear is, you know, the, and, and we, we listen, we, we hedge it in really good stuff, right? I mean, you know, God began a good work in you, so you got to keep working it. It's like, what, what? I thought the Bible said he authored and finished my faith. You know, there's a lost world out there. We've got to go and save. I thought he was the savior. We want to take all this stuff up on ourselves. No, the only call from Jesus to the branches is not to clean yourself and not to be fruitful. He takes all of that responsibility on himself. What he tells us to do is abide. So I've said it this way, your one job, your singular labor, your, 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 only, your only effort should be toward abiding. Which is funny because the word abide literally means to rest and remain in the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. That's what Jesus means when he says abide. He says, look, I want you to abide in me and me to abide in you. I want you to rest and remain. Stay here. The warning of the text is in not abiding. He says, look, if you, if, again, I'm not going to get into this too much, the, 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 the wording in Greek about if you if the unfruitful branch is cut away, there's there's argument about what that word uh, takes away really means. Uh, a more literal rendering of it in the context of the passage should mean that he lifts it up, he props it up. As long as it's abiding, as long as it's continuing to remain connected to the vine, the Father is faithful to lift that branch up, keep it out of the mud and the mire, keep it away from disease and fruitlessness, and to tie it up and keep it there. He props it up. He lifts it up. Now the warning comes in, in verse six where he says, look, but if you choose to disconnect, then yeah, you wither up. There's no life in you anymore. There's no flow. There's no mutual indwelling. And so you shrivel up and the only useful thing for you is to be burned. Back to that fire thing again. So we're called to abide. What I want us to understand today is this. Until we accept our role as branches, what, what I mean by that is as those who, who, who by design 
draw from and are dependent on the very God who created us, we will never see the productivity we are designed for, nor know the satisfying joy we desire. Until we accept that position as branches, I've said it this way to you, that the branch status of the believer, I believe, is designed by Jesus to simultaneously humble and honor us. It humbles us where we need to be humbled. You are a branch. He is the true vine. You don't get to be the vine. You don't get to be your own source. You don't get to be self-sufficient. You don't get to be the one that, that it is the, 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 the provision. You, that's not you. You get to be a branch. You're a branch, not a vine. Humbles us. But it also honors us. You're a branch, not a weed. Come on. He's not, he's not looking to pluck you up and throw you away. You're not, somebody needs to hear this. You're not getting in the way of the purposes of God. He actually foreordained his purposes to be a part, or rather you to be a part of his purposes. He predestined you for the good works that he has for you. So we see then that, that we, we need to embrace our status as branches. Our identity as a branch is tied by design to his identity as the true vine and the father's identity as the vine dresser. So the call to the branch is to do what? Abide, that's it, just abide. Just rest and remain. Rest and keep resting. Sit and keep sitting. Stay. Here's what I want you to understand today. Jesus assigns the role to each, of, each player. Jesus is the one. Who's telling the story here? In the text, who's, who's talking to us? It's not a trick question, it's the, it's the church answer. Jesus is telling us the story. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I want to make sure we all get the answer right. Jesus. He's talking, Jesus here is talking to his disciples. Jesus is, 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 is talking to a bunch of people who have sold out everything, given up everything. They truly, come on, believe in Jesus. They're trusting Jesus with everything. And to them, he explains how this relationship is supposed to work. He gives the roles. So, so I say that because I've been getting, I get pushback sometimes in this, which I just find hilarious. When I say that we are dependent upon him, okay, we're, we'll just, we're just being honest this morning, so let's just talk about this. I find it incredibly hilarious that rebellious people get mad when I say that you are dependent, you have, you, you have to recognize your dependence on Jesus, that you can't do it on your own. Rebellious people go, I can do it on my own. Religious people, though, get mad, and this is the one I don't understand. When I say Jesus is sufficient to supply your need, they go, no, he's not. I thought you were the religious crowd. I thought you were the Jesus people. There's still this, this thing in both the religious and the rebellious people that says, no, I'm the one that has to do it. Jesus assigns the roles. I didn't make, this is not Mark sat down and tried to come up with a good analogy. This is Jesus trying to open up the eyes of his disciples about how this relationship is supposed to work. So if Jesus assigns the roles, we, we've already touched on it, he makes us the branch. Jesus makes himself both our provider and our provision. How awesome is that? He doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to make sure you have what you need. He says, I am what you need, and I'm going to make sure you have me. By just, by just abiding, by just being connected, by just resting, by just coming, resting and remaining, allowing an, a mutual indwelling, allowing you to be in me and me to be in you, supernaturally, and yes, there's some practicality to it as we dive into it, but, but, but we've got to understand the principle first. That this mutual indwelling is, is the means by which he makes himself, come on, both our provision and our provider. As the true vine, he is our source and he is our supply. And here's what you need to hear. And this is the part that religious people get mad at me about. He's effective as your supply. What do I mean? The branch is not required and in fact is, is designed purposefully to only be able to draw supply from the vine. 
The danger for the branch in, in, a, in a vine, as I've, as I've done some research into this, the danger in the type of vines that they grew there was that the branches would fall to the ground and within their, within their DNA is the capacity to try to set down roots into the mud. But those roots are ineffective at drawing up nutrients from the ground. I think this is a beautiful picture of what happens to us, if I'm going to be totally transparent. Our gaze, our life, our, our vision drops down to just terrestrial things and we start trying to draw sustenance from the stuff around us and all that ends up coming onto us is mold and disease and death. So all we're called to do is draw from the vine. Jesus, as the true vine, is saying, I don't need you to supply anything on your own other than your need. You just stay connected, and I'll get you everything you need. But religion comes around and says, Jesus will provide, come on, 90%, 95%. Maybe if you're like a hyper-grace teacher, you preach he will supply 99%. But the scandalous good news of the gospel is he provides everything. That would be 100%. You go, what do I have to do? Just stay there. Just, just, just stay. Jesus is effective at this. So Jesus makes himself the provider and our provision. Jesus makes Abba, makes the Father himself, the Father himself, our protector and producer. As the vine dresser, he is our security and our sustainer. If Jesus is effective, is effectual in his role, I want to tell you that the Father is affectionate in his. As the Father, Jesus says, has loved me, so I have loved you. Talked about this quite a bit. There's, there's the whole trinity here involved in this, and we're called to live in the apex of their exchange. It is he who cares for us, and his care is what keeps us from becoming firewood. Can I get an amen? His care, not my capacity. He takes upon himself the responsibility for our productivity. So this is kind of what we've been talking about, and here's what I hear people continuing to push back on. They go, well, what, what of my lack of fruit? My life isn't as fruitful as it ought to be. I'm not praying as much. I'm not serving as much. I'm not leading people to Christ as much. My, my prayers aren't getting answered as much. I'm not, I'm not as effective. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being fruitful. So what about that? So if I'm not being fruitful, what do I do? Some of you have come to me and said, well, what about this persistent sin that's in my life? Doesn't that, doesn't that remove me? Doesn't, if, I, if, if, I, if I sin, doesn't he pull me out of the, of the vine? Doesn't he remove me? What if I have a desire for other things? And, and you say that Jesus is all that I need, but I kind of want something else. And so I want to kind of be connected to these different places. I want to I go to these different things. Well, let me, let me try to answer these objections as, as concisely as I can. What, what of, of our lack of fruit? The scripture makes it clear, this passage makes it clear that fruitfulness is, in, is an inevitability because it is his responsibility. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear what? More fruit. That it may bear what? More fruit. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. He, there's no, listen, listen, listen. Please, please hear me. There's no qualifier on that statement, so don't put one on there yourself. He doesn't say he who abides in me and prays seven times a day. He doesn't say, he who abides in me and memorizes enough Bible verses. He doesn't say, he who abides in me and defeats all the sin in his life. He doesn't say, he who abides in me and tithes. He who abides in me and attends church. He who abides in me and becomes of whatever status at the job. No, if you abide in him, your fruitfulness is inevitable. It is going to happen. So, 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 so two things I want you to hear about that. First, if you're going through a fruitless season, fruitlessness is for a season. Season. It's not forever. Stop saying stuff like, well, I just, I'm just never, my, my life never works out the way it's supposed to. My prayers never get answered. I never get healed. 
I never, I never have enough. I never have, listen, you might be going through a season where that is true, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that I mean kindness from, but it's not gonna sound like it. You have disqualified from your, 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 you have disqualified yourself from ever applying the labels always and never to your life because you're not that consistent. I love you. Like you, I never do this. No, you sometimes do because you, you suck at consistency. Always and never are, are impossible things to apply to anybody other than, than God. He's always and only good, amen? Right, so, 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 so what we need to understand is that I'm not denying the difficulty of a, of a fruitless season. But I'm saying God is the one who's in charge of your productivity. So your frustration is not actually with your fruitlessness. Your frustration is with him. Because he bears the responsibility of making you fruitful. So let me say it this way. Fruitfulness then is evidence of restlessness. As long as you abide, fruit is on the way. Don't let, listen, don't let this, a season of fruitlessness, cause you to disconnect from the source, making you restless, which only will make you not fruitful. I don't mean this to sound mean, but sometimes I feel like when it comes to resting, we treat abiding in Christ like having a gym membership. I say it, I have it, there's a little key fob on my keychain. I go there when they give me pizza. Yes, there are gyms that give you pizza. Maybe consider not giving people money that say they wanna help you get in shape and then give you pizza. Just saying, maybe find a better gym. Or just buy a bunch of heavy stuff and pick it up and put it down. That's another option. We treat it like this thing, like, well, if I just, if I just sort of add it to my keychain, then that, that, that would, no, 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 abiding, come on, is something we're called to do, not just mentally agree with, yeah, I really should rest. We're called to abide in him. We're called to rest in him. And, and what happens is we, we, we don't see fruit from it, so we just stop going. We stop abiding. We cease to abide. We, 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 we become restless. And therefore, we abandon our resting and thus cause ourselves to not be fruitful. Let me say it this way. The only path for the branch, hear me, for the branch, the only way for the branch, the only, the only path for the branch to fruit comes from the root. Right? The, only, the only way that that branch is going to produce fruit is if it stays connected to the root, and the only way for it to be connected to the root is for it to abide in the vine. And yet somehow we go through a season of, of, of fruitlessness, and the truth is we probably go through a season of less fruitful than we want to be. Ooh, less fruitful than we think we deserve to be. And so we go looking for fruit elsewhere. It's restless. But there's another piece to this as well that I believe happens. And that is, if you've hung around the, the, the religious people, see, I'm, I'm struggling because I, I want to say if you've hung around the church, but the church is not the religious people, and the religious people are not the church. Can I get an amen from people that know the difference? Right? We, we hang around religion long enough, and sometimes what ends up happening is shame gets poured on us, and we pick up shame because we're not fruitful. We pick up guilt and condemnation because we, we think that we have to earn our spot in Jesus by being fruitful. And, and I spent a lot of time over these, 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 these few weeks in, in, a, in a couple of my favorite books of the Bible, one of them being Romans. And for those of you who, who feel like you have, to, you have to be productive in order to feel fulfilled in order to feel whole. Am I talking to anybody? Come on. I, I, gotta, be, I gotta do something so that way I can feel worthy of, 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 of my position and then once I feel worthy of my position, then I'll feel like I'm whole and I'm a complete person. 
I came across a passage, and, and I, again, I, I, I like offending people about this, so I like reading it. This is the Passion Translation. I know it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. I get that. It can be helpful. I'm not telling you to buy one to study it, but I think for devotional reading, which is what I was doing while I was away, uh, I think it can be helpful. And, and I especially love the way uh, Dr. Simmons has kind of brought out some things in, in Romans, because Romans is a, is a big book, amen? If you think it's taken me a long time to get through John, if I tried to preach through Romans, it would be like all the way to my funeral, which is like 100 years from now. So it would be a long series. So um, I just want to read a passage to you, and I want to read it out of the Passion. So if, if you want to read it out of, your, out of the ESV, it, it's, it's great. But Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, I want you to hear this. Even King David himself speaking to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our lives. Apart from, hear this, apart from our works, God's work is enough. Well, I, I gotta do something. I have to provide something. I have to make, I have to, no, no. Apart, he pronounces you righteous not because of your work, but because the work he's done. Here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood. Pause. Pause, pause, real fast, real fast, have to teach real quick. You understand that David existed under a different covenant than you and I exist under. David existed under a covenant that his sin could only be covered by blood. So that's what he says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood. But when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he didn't say, behold the Lamb of God who covers the sins of the world. What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So if under an inferior covenant we have happy fulfillment, how much more under a superior covenant are we to have happy fulfillment? Verse 8. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. So, so can we just see this real, real quick? Complete wholeness comes inside a person when? When they, when they figure out how to live according to the rules? No, when they hear a declaration, you're righteous. Then, after that, comes happy fulfillment. Literally, the word, in the, the word in the original language is blessed. It literally means a happy fulfillment. And then after that, after that comes happy progress. Religion told me I have to make progress so I can feel fulfilled, and once I'm fulfilled enough, then I'll feel whole. But Jesus comes and says, no, no, I'm just going to start you off at wholeness. You're whole. You're made whole. Because he declares over you, you're righteous. Again, the, the analogy that I've used in the past from, from other texts in Romans is, is that, that Jesus shares a joint bank account of righteousness with us. You are, the scriptures say, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, so you've got to learn how to shut the voice off that says, I'm not bearing fruit, therefore I'm going to get kicked out. No, you've already been declared righteous. Jesus said it in John this way, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. I took care of your cleanliness already. It's done, it's finished. But I don't, listen, I spent three weeks, first, the, you gotta understand, I have never missed more than one service at a time of Sozo ever since it started. 
And in all of those, up until this point, in all of those, I was very, very, very irritable when I missed them. Even, even when I was off preaching at another church, I would just be honest with that church. and be like, I'm here with y'all, but I'd rather be home. I can tell you that while I did not enjoy being away from our gathering together, because I don't know about you, but there's, George and I were talking about this at our last elders meeting, there's a frequency happening in here that I just, it, it resonates with me. I hope it's resonating with you. There's a frequency here that I, I wanna be around more. So I, I wasn't happy about being gone, but there was something had shifted in me. Here I am, I'm a pastor, I'm used to doing, I'm used to working, I, I have been accused of being a fairly type A person, I, I like driven, I like goals, I like doing stuff, I like finishing things. I spent three weeks not doing anything, and here's what I want you to hear. Not once, not once, so, so fully has this message got down into my soul, not once did I think he loves me less. And I'm here to tell you, a year ago, I would have thought he loves me less. Oh, I need, I need to be, I need to be, okay, confession of a pastor. There might have been a Sunday we didn't go to church. I'm glad I didn't die that week because, you know, I would have just gone straight to hell. But the goodness of God allowed his grace to carry me to the next Sunday and I was back in church. Not like, there was, there was nothing, now that might not be a big deal to some of y'all who weren't raised in the kind of, burden or didn't pick up the burden of religion like I did but man for me that was like oh I'm I'm he's still Abba and I'm still beloved oh that's weird but I'm not doing anything see some of us we we get into these these things and it's all this we think that God is just looking for a reason to prune us away what this text shows us Romans shows us is it starts with wholeness from that place of wholeness, we know a fulfillment. And from that place of fulfillment, progress begins to happen in life. Again, fruitfulness is inevitable. Fruitfulness is inevitable. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Some of you can't believe that because religion has gotten such a strong hold on you, you can't agree with that. Some of you can't believe that because rebellion has gotten such a strong hold on you, you can't believe that. Both of you are wrong. I'm not telling you that I think you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you that he says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not, it's, it's not about my capacity to receive it. It's about his capacity to deliver it. He calls you righteous now. But I still, I, he calls you righteous now. So stop looking for righteousness outside of him. Stop looking for, 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 for this wholeness. Stop looking for this fulfillment. Stop looking for progress anywhere other than abiding in him. But it's not happening fast enough. Take it up with the one who's responsible for your productivity, not me. Who's the vine dresser in the story? The father. He's responsible. Take it up with him. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Could Maybe. Maybe. Hypothetically, could it possibly be that the reason why he's made himself the vine dresser, taking on full responsibility for your productivity, is so that in seasons where you don't feel so productive, it would force you to be further and further and further in him? Could it be that we have a God who's so good at designing stuff that he even makes room for our inability to see the design? <laughs> and it still works. I would, I would bet dollars to donuts that nobody in this room knows how your iPhone works. But all of you know how to work your iPhone. Okay, that's not true. Most of you know how to use your iPhone. <laughs> Text my dad the other day. We were meeting up somewhere. I said, hey, he was running late. I said, okay, I've taken care of everything, so just come on in. You don't have to worry about it. Afterwards, I found out he didn't get my text, and his response was, my phone doesn't get texts. I said, Dad, you have an iPhone. 
they all get text. <laughs> well, mine doesn't. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't realize Steve Jobs made one iPhone, doesn't get messages. He just didn't gave it to my dad. I was like, here you go. <laughs> I know you don't like these. I made one just for you. Pray for me. Your ability to know how it works is irrelevant. What he told you was what to do, right? How to work it. Just abide. Your work is to abide. I have another page worth of notes we're not going to get to. Because here's, what, here's why. Here's what, it's not, well, trust me, it ain't because I want to get out of here early. I'm more than happy to stay here for another hour. I think we have to, we have to, we have to stay here. See, I want, I want, to, I want to move on. I want to, I want to get to the next piece. I want, I, want to get to, I want to get to the sin part. But listen, if you don't get that he made you, you have to hear. You have to hear that you are righteous. Or else you'll never know wholeness, you'll never know fulfillment, and you'll never make progress. Religion says make enough progress, and then maybe we'll tell you you're, you're righteous. Maybe then we'll tell you you're holy. Maybe then we'll tell you you're his. No, you start off. The start line is wholeness. And here's what I'm here to tell you. If your start line wasn't wholeness, then you heard something other than the gospel. You, you heard 50% Ishmael and 50% Isaac. And Paul says anything other than the pure gospel isn't the gospel. The gospel isn't he got you started, now you get it finished. The gospel is he started you at the finish line, which is the start line. Upon the cross, did Jesus say it is begun? No, he said it is finished. So if it's finished, what are you trying to add to it? What are you trying to pile on top of it? I've been, I did a study a few years ago, and I will admit that I did not finish it because I'm just not consistent enough. Um, where I went through and tried to find, it's, it's a difficult study to do because it's not something you can just let a robot do. I went through the Gospels and tried to find the most uh, consistent statement Jesus made. Because Jesus made some consistent statements. And the one that, that, that as far as my reading does, again, you, you can do it. If you want to do it and prove me wrong, I will come back up here and admit that I'm wrong. But from my study, here's the most consistent phrase that Jesus said throughout the Gospels. Some version of, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He wasn't here to hear, let him hear. That seems to be Jesus' favorite statement to make, which tells me there's a way of hearing that isn't hearing. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way of, come on, wives should be saying amen to this because you have husbands, come on. There's a way of hearing that isn't hearing. But that also means there's a way of hearing that is hearing. We can have ears and still not hear. But there, there's also the ability to have ears that can hear and still not hear. Because he said, he who has an ear to hear. So you have to have an ear. It has to be able to hear. But then he said, let them hear. The way I've been saying this lately is, is trying to talk to us about, it's not about up here, it's about down here. Uh, again, mo modern American culture is our hearts. Biblical verbiage is your gut. It's about, it's about, it's a, so when, when this starts out, when this, this passage starts out, he speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our lives. I, I can talk to your brain, but I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me learn how to talk to your gut. And I think it has something to do with this frequency thing. There's something that, it's gotta get past just my like, yeah, I mentally agree, well you said it's in the Bible, so I agree with it. No, I mean it's gotta get down, come on, into the very fiber of our being. You 
or righteous. You are as you ought to be. That's what righteous literally means. Well, well, pastor, I heard righteous means right standing with God. Well, then how is God righteous? He's in right standing with himself. <laughs> no, he is as he ought to be. You are in Christ. As you to be. Again, please, please, please hear me. I'm going to say this right now so I don't get any of these emails. I'm not talking to people who aren't believers. This passage is exclusively Jesus talking to 11 dudes that we know are his disciples. They will all, to one degree or another, be persecuted and lose their lives for believing in him. They pass the test, okay? They got some bumpiness on the road. We should all be grateful for that. I can tell you you're righteous, but you have to hear him declare it over your life. And here's how you know you here's how you know you've heard it. When you're listen, when you're walking in the straight and narrow and the straight and narrow zigs when you thought it was going to zag. Come on. When 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 life goes the wrong direction, you don't think oh that's probably because of something I did. It's probably because of unrepentance in my life. It's probably because I I didn't I didn't fill in the blank enough. Pray, give, serve, attend church, whatever. I didn't, I would do it. You want to test if, you, if, if, if you've been, Hebrews says, pierced by the revelation of righteousness? Let life go the wrong way. Let the prayer not get answered. And he's still Abba and I'm still beloved. How about this one? That one, that one, that one, that one you seem to have caught. Let's see if you can catch this one. When you're walking the straight and narrow, and the straight and narrow is still the straight and narrow, but something shiny's over there, and you go run and chase it, and you're six miles from the road, and you go, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, the prodigal son got it wrong. He was still a son in that pig pen. He was still just as much a son in that pig pen. Pastor, you're going to give people a license to sin. I don't think you're preaching grace unless you're giving sinners a license to sin. Because I'm not talking to sinners in the room. I'm talking to sons of God in the room who cannot, who cannot stand even, even, the scriptures say, even garments that are soiled with sin. They can't, they, we, we want none of it. We're not looking for an excuse to sin. I'm trying to give you an excuse to live righteous. Some of y'all don't, none, none of y'all said this before, and I mean it. None of y'all need me to give you a permission to sin. You're doing a stand-up job on your own. <laughs> I think what you need is permission to live in the righteousness that is yours in him. You, 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 it's yours. You, it's, 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 it's yours. Let's stand to our feet. We talk about and we're excited about and I am pressing in for and praying daily for and want to see more of what happened on this stage during worship. I want to see more physical uh, responses to the presence of God. I want to see more. I want to see more healing in our bodies. But listen to me. If every body in here got healed and no buddy in here understood that they were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, this city would not be changed. And you would be a healed jacked up person. The good news of the gospel is that he provides both. Amen? We don't have to pick. We don't have to pick body wholeness or, or, or spiritual wholeness. We, we get both in him. Amen? So we, we did a whole series while I was away and I wrapped it up last week on our response. I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. I believe that this moment that we're stepping into is the most vital, the most crucial part of our, of our gathering together. Yes, worship's important. We need to glorify and honor and exalt Jesus. Yes, we need to hear his word taught. Yes, we need to hear his voice. Yes, we need to hear his word in the midst, or his whisper in the midst of his word. All of that's important. But if we don't learn how to respond, come on. 
Here, here's, here's the picture that's in my mind, is that, that all, of, all of that stuff up front, all of the worship, all of the, the, the presence, all of, the, all of the, the, the teaching, all of the, the word being read, all of the encounters we have, it's like the table's just getting set before us at the feast. The response is actually where we start to eat. And no one in their right mind, free from demonic influence, would sit down at a, at a Thanksgiving meal and just go, I'm just good smelling and looking at everything. Come on, we feast, we feast richly. What I'm telling you is this response time is your opportunity, come on, to feast richly on what God is speaking to us. So we're gonna respond. We, together, are going to respond. We're going to respond through celebration, through contemplation, and through communion, and through baptism. Celebration. We're going to celebrate the goodness of our God. Amen. Come on, how many? I need some amen for some people who know that God is always and only good. I need some amens from some people that know that God is always and only good, even when life is not always and only good. Come on, that, that my, 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 my perception of him, come on, is not based on the circumstances of my life. He's good. And his goodness trumps whatever not goodness I might experience in my daily life. Because fruitfulness, come on, is inevitable. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to contemplate. We're going to let this go deep. Some of you, listen, some of you need to hear him declare over your life that you're righteous. If you can hear his voice in mind, amen, awesome, let that resonate in your spirit. But if not, come on, it might be in this moment of contemplation, of chewing on that, of letting it wrestle, of letting it push, and you got all your objections, and you have all of your, your issues, and you have all the reasons why you don't think he's right, but you, you gotta let him wrestle that stuff down. Come on. And hear him. Make the declaration you got to hear him. Come on. you got to be, as Hebrews says, pierced by the revelation of righteousness. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion. Commun we commune in two ways. First is the, is the table of the Lord where we invite all believers who've put their faith in Christ to partake in communion together. We take by method known as antiction, where we take a piece of bread or gluten-free wafer and dip it in the juice and partake. Again, if you're a believer, this is this this is a family meal. You're welcome to partake with us. If you're here just trying to figure out this whole Jesus Church thing, you don't have to come up here and pretend like you're a Christian. You can hang out in your seat. No one will judge you. My question, if you're not a believer, though, again, is why not? Come on, Jesus is better than everything. And freely he offers to us his broken body and his shed blood to wash us, to cleanse us, to make us whole. He has taken away the sin of the world. A way has been made for you to be back in right relationship with the God who made you, to know who you are, to know whose you are. We receive that, the scriptures say, through repentance and belief, through admitting and abandoning our sin and, and embracing and entrusting our lives to Jesus. Again, it's that all in in the middle of the table, pushing all of our chips in and saying, I'm betting it all on Jesus. If that's you, I'd invite you to make use of our second way that we commune. We commune one with another, where we bring our burdens, our needs to other believers. So we've got a team of people that would love to meet you down by the cross. They'd love to stand and pray with you. And that's if you're, if that's if you're repenting and believing. But listen, that's if you have any need in your life whatsoever. We believe, Sozo, amen me here. We believe in a God who responds when we pray. Because we are superhuman superstars that have all of our stuff together. So our prayers get answered. No, we have a savior who responds when his people cry out to him. He's a God like no other God, the scriptures say. He responds when we cry out. So we believe that when we pray, stuff happens because we believe that when we pray, he responds. So if you have a need at all in, in your life, we would encourage you to make your way there. I said we're gonna baptize. We, we had some people signed up for baptism, but for one reason or another that I won't uncover in their lives, uh, some of them weren't able to be here with us. But here's what I always say, any baptism Sunday, if you're here and you have not been baptized, 
you are a believer, you've repented and you've believed, whether you've done that today or you've done it a long time ago, you've never been baptized, we would, we would make this space available to you. And here's the, the caveat to that. Maybe you have been baptized, but your baptism was just a baptism into trying harder. Come on, somebody. Maybe your baptism was just a baptism into works. I'm here to say that the baptism of Jesus is the drowning waters of our works. Come on and the rebirth into the family of God. And if you are here and you'd like to be baptized, we would, we would love to just hold you under the water till sin is dead in your life. It's not even that cold outside, so you'll be fine going home a little wet. But we, we open up the waters to all who might need to be baptized. We've had long lines here some weeks. We've had nobody. We don't really care. It's not about the numbers. Come on. It's about what the Spirit of God is doing in this place. Amen? So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond to the Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your declaration over us that we are righteous. Thank you that that declaration is not just one that's legal, it is actual. Jesus, you make us righteous. You are effective at making us righteous. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you showed Jesus to us. Jesus, I thank you that you are a better savior than any of us were sinners. You're better at saving me than I was at sinning. So we just give you, we give you room in this place to show yourself as good and to speak over your people the declaration of righteousness. Church, Let's respond to the Lord.